He was once a star, had so much popularity. Then he had to leave and go do a show with Jerry. Thinking about his life makes him want to jump off a bridge. Cause living isn't easy when you're the consultant's bitch. Do, 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 Telling Kirk when cars pass by again. Do, 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 His wife's at home fucking other men. He's insane, has no brain, fill-in producer Dave Cullinane. His parents must be embarrassed, not the same since he gave up all control of the Instagram page. Interns run it, there's no content. C-c-c-cullinane, c-c-c-cullinane. Can't work on radio cause they think he's a rat. Kirk only brought him in cause they couldn't contact Matt Dave did a good job producing the tennis match My favorite part was his announcer who was hooked on crack Do, 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 do Calls take a while, he don't know how to dial Do, 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 do His wife gave birth to another man's child He's insane, little brain, fill-in producer Dave Cullinane. He argues with trolls on the Discord. He's so sad, he's stuck at a boring and a lousy shit podcast. It's not funny, makes no money. C-c-c-cullinane, c-c-cullinane. C-c-c-cullinane, c-c-cullinane. Hey everybody, welcome to Kirk and Off, a weekly podcast where my cousin and I talk about Kirk Minahan and the happenings inside of his world. My name's Buddy, he's Blind Mike's daddy. Blind Mike's daddy, say hello. Reasons or not reasons? This is why we ride. Um, so, first of all, be, like before we get, obviously you guys know Culinate's coming on, um, as you can tell by the title of the episode. Um, but before we get anywhere, big thanks to Kirk Minahan for shouting us out this week, Blind Mike's daddy. He even said your name, he almost got to Buddy. He even said your name. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> The Kirk Minahan bump is real. Uh, it was by far our most downloaded episode. Uh, we went from ten listeners to 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 was uh, twenty four, I think. I think it was twenty seven, but who's counting? Okay, right. So so it's again that Kirk, it is it is serious. I mean, it's, it's great to be recognized like that. It, it makes you feel warm inside, and uh, eventually the worm is gonna turn on us. But until then, uh, we're gonna ride that. We're gonna, we're gonna, what is it? Uh, chase that dragon yeah, as much as we chasing, can. Yeah. Um, no, I agree. I, I agree, yeah. and I, I, I kind of want to thank, you know, like a bunch of Minute fans reached out too oh and, 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 yeah. and said that they liked it. You know, which obviously yeah. feels pretty good. Like we, we know it sucks. Don't get me wrong. And like, and we should have put in more clips. But like, if you guys listen to the show, you know what we do. It's, it's kind of long form conversations. We kind of wanted to hear what other Minute fans had to say. And that, that being said, I should have put more clips in. I fucked up. That's on me. But like you said. Just, just all the tweets, you know, uh, whether it was the DMs to us individually or, or, or just people, you know, tweeting at us and just giving us positive vibes. I can't thank you guys enough. It, it makes us feel good. Uh, at the end of the day, the Minute fans is is actually a Minute family, and it, so cute. 
there's, there's no way they're going to play that on the show and fucking rip you about that. Now there's no fucking uh, well, way. I mean, it is what it is. But at the, like you, you see it day in and day out. Whether it's raising money for 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 barstool fund or or minute fans that that are that are struggling, it's just we are. You know, like Kirk says, ninety five percent of us are awesome, and then there's that other percentage. But even the other percentage has been kind to us. So it's again, fair. thank you, thank you. And uh, thank you again, and th- that's all I got. Yeah, that's fair. Let's so like again. You guys obviously know we have Cullen in on. We're gonna get to that in a second. But before that, Blind Mike Saddy, you ready for this new segment? I am. I'm excited about it. I haven't heard it yet. Is it good? You co-signing this? Yeah, it's, it's it's my it's my baby. You know, I've already had one kid. This is my other one, and I, I think you guys are gonna like it. All right, let's do that. We interrupt this segment of Kirk and Off to find out what's been going on in the Minifan world with Andrew Augustus. 2021 picking up right where 2020 left off. What's going on with the golden ticket? And Barstool once again learns Kirk is right. I'm Andrew Augustus, and this is the Minifan News. As promised, the Kirk Minahan Show has officially moved to the three-day-a-week schedule as the special project continues to intensify. Displeased with the official Kirk Minahan show year in review, Kirk gave praise to Kirk and Off's year in review, but wasn't sold on the host. And let's face it, who can blame him? Blind Mike made his triumphant return to the show this week, and I think we can all agree he does sound more confident, but his jokes still fall flat. The appearance coincides with the launch of the Blind Mike project on Patreon and iTunes and wherever else you can get podcasts. Not to be left out, Blind Mike's penis announced he will be launching his own podcast to join Blind Mike, and they will create the Goo Crew, which will help raise money for Mike. 2021 started off hot for a certain Minifan down under, as the 2020 Golden Globe International Minifan of the Year Menners was blocked by Podcast Jesus himself. But Menners joined me to talk about what happened. In my original appearance on this podcast, I outlined that I was a Kirk superfan. So... When I woke up on Monday morning Australian time and logged into Twitter and saw that I had been blocked by Kirk, I was shocked, horrified and dismayed. Then I did a little digging and he Kirk spoke about it on the show and it seems like I've been lumped in with Fez and BA in the crowd that just wants to cause trouble, as he calls us, the cunts. And, and it seems like Kirk thinks that I was against the golden ticket giveaway. So where do you stand on the golden ticket? I am for charities like the Barstool Fund and Blind Prison Mike and have never shown any dissent towards the golden ticket. My only disappointment is that I live in Australia and if I were to win it, it would be useless for me because I'm so far away. So for me to be blocked, it's very, very upsetting. What makes it even worse is I was blocked last year and I worked hard for months and months and months to get unblocked and then I was unblocked and now I've been blocked again. So this is very, very, very sad. I tried to speak to Kirk about it when I called in the show, but I was aborted. So I'm not able to get to the bottom of this yet. But if Kirk gave you an opportunity, what would you say? This is um, a very, very unjust act, and uh, I need Kirk to reconsider him blocking me. Does this mean Men is Live is cancelled? Men is Live is coming back, yes. Season 2 of Men is Live will start on Saturday, March 13th. It'll be after the Justin and the Minifans time slot. I'm very, very excited. And uh, along with Men is Live, there's going to be 
a whole range of Menon's Live merchandise that people can purchase, and all the profits of that merchandise are going to go to charity or Blind Prison Mike. The Kirk Minahan Death Wish for 2021 has already claimed Andy Mayo and Madawaska Rob for criticizing Kirk for having the audacity to help raise money for the Barstool Fund with the Minifan Golden Ticket. That will be announced next week. The best co-host will be making a return to the Kirk Minahan Show as Kirk announced Harry Minahan will be joining the program the Friday before the Royal Rumble match to break down all the matches in it. In the competition field, the Kirk Minahan Show team of Kirk, Steven Carabas, well, let's face it, it was mainly Kirk, sent Team Chicago back to the Windy City with their tails between their legs after an 11-7 rout on the Dozens Trivia. MVP Kirk Minahan stole the show in the golf category by stealing Team Chicago's question and then nailing his own for the victory. I'm Andrew Augustus from Minifan News. If you have any tips for stories, please reach out to us on Twitter by tagging or DMing at Kirkin underscore off or at Andrew Augustus. Last but not least, happy birthday, Kevin from Bristol. And now back to Kirkin Off. Thanks to Andrew for the uh, the Minifan News segment. We'll look forward to that every week. Um, but now, Blind Max Daddy and I are on with Dave Cullinan. Cullinan, say hello. Hey, how are you? Can you hear me? Yeah, excellent, dude. Thanks. Uh, <laughs> so, for, first things first. Before, before we get into, oh, so funny. I don't. I just didn't. I didn't hear myself really, so I just had to ask. But <laughs> sorry. Uh, be, before we get into anything serious, let's talk about the hits. How? Where did this idea come from? What? What? What is this? Uh, it was just basically. I don't know. So I'm in the office super early. It's just kind of my. I've always been like that. Like uh, six a.m. at the latest type of guy to go in the office, and it just turned into one of those things where I was like always reading uh like taking like a a little break for a coffee break to read in the morning or something and it would turn into a half hour and i don't know i just kind of decided like on a whim you know why not turn that into like something that's live like i'm taking 30 minutes anyway like why not mm-hmm. try to create some kind of content that's moderately productive and then it just turned into it spiraled into just something that made me fucking laugh hysterically every morning and, and hopefully other people laugh with it or at me whatever i don't know but it just I, turned into that so i guess this is kind of like a stupid question but since you just said like you do it in the studio but I'm, i you, i i always I, I don't know why i figured you did that at your house you know so so are you and jerry taping in studio no, so we're not in studio. So like my my day job day to day is actually for a mortgage lending company. So oh, I, I I work there. We we would do the show in the morning, and we would go to the Legacy Club in Boston. And the pandemic hit, that closed down. And the reality was, you know, and I know a lot of people are like, "Oh, Jerry's such a pussy. He doesn't want to go in the studio or whatever." The reality was, like, obviously, video is so important now in promoting a podcast and. Every day, and I know this was a joke on, and we'll get to the Kirk shit, but this was a mm-hmm. joke on Kirk show. It was like, Dave goes in and sets sets up the studio, in and out, every day, whatever. But, like, imagine then not just the audio portion of it. Now I got to set up, like, two or three cameras every morning, wires all over the fucking place, take them down. It turned into, you know, such a process that doing it remotely via all these services that are now available it's not perfect, but it's just so much more efficient. You know what I mean? Like from a time yeah, totally. perspective, and it's just it's just the reality. So I think if I said Jerry, let's go to the Legacy Club tomorrow, he'd do it in a heartbeat. He would have done it six months ago. It's just from an efficiency standpoint, it, it was no question to do it out of you know do it remotely. So so you're talking about efficiency standpoint. What what do you prefer? Do you prefer the way you guys are doing it now? So once this pandemic ends, are you guys going to go back to the Legacy Club or, or what's going on with that? Uh, actually, I, I don't really know uh, exactly, but I prefer the way we're doing it now just 
specifically that from an efficiency standpoint. When we're done with the show, I have a hour, hour and a half audio and video form of the podcast every day. So it's like I'm just bingo, bango, bongo. In you know, it's and it's not to sound like I'm I'm trying to like squeeze it all in a certain amount of time. It's just like it's just so efficient in terms. There's no exporting of files. There's no post editing of this or that, and so there's no taking down equipment and all this shit. So this is just like effective right now. But if we were in a studio, you know, today I produce a different podcast on a weekly basis that's like in this self-contained studio where live switching, it's kind of like what Kirk has, right? He's got cameras in his studio, Mm -hmm. all live to tape. It's efficient, whatever. That's a whole different story. So I think if we had that, I'd prefer to be in in the same room with him, you know, 99 times out of 100. Uh, But right now, based on our situation, it just makes way more sense to do it the way we're doing. Do you find a difference in like the quality of the show versus like not not being together? I mean, not just from the actual technical standpoint of uh, sound quality and, you know, but just from the collaboration standpoint the you know you step over each other a lot you got fucking guests that you know one day they have a microphone they know how to plug it in the next day they don't you know what i mean like it's just mm-hmm. all these different things i'd rather it be you know a hundred percent in my control in terms of uh all the different technology they can use but it's just you know you got to kind of like you got to take the good with the bad it's just i don't know it's kind of you weigh your pros and cons and right now just based on our situation it works you know you got to remember, like it's an entrepreneur, it's an entrepreneurial endeavor for Jerry, right? Like Jerry's mm-hmm. a small business owner in yeah. this sense. He's not, he's not paid a salary by anyone. He pays me, you know, to produce it, but that's his expense. Then advertising dollars come in. So it's for him to then go out and pay rent, pay all this technology and all this stuff when we have it at our fingertips remotely. And the reality is, and I think I've probably said this on another podcast, I probably said it to Kirk's face. Like, we never get shit for the audio quality. We never get shit for the video quality. And that's fucking Kirk Minahan says it. And that's not a shot at him. That's just like, when you point it out to people, they notice. When you don't, they go on with their lives and they consume the content, you know? Right. So so how did you get into this industry? How did you get into podcasting, producing, stuff like that? Um, so just, I always wanted to be in radio. Uh, it's just like random. And my cousin dated somebody who worked for Kiss 108. I don't know how local you guys are, but Kiss 108 Boston's a beast. And, uh, he worked for Kiss 108. He brought me in a studio when I was like four years old. I always say he, you know, he ruined me. He ruined my, you know, cause it was just, I felt like that was the career path I wanted to go down my whole, my whole life. I'd end up in radio somehow. So I ended up working in doing all the internships through college and all that stuff and ended up, um, finding a job for a very small radio station that was actually owned by a financial advisor. And, you know, he, he had a radio show that was syndicated out. I'm going to say syndicated, but it was an infomercial point and simple to build his business. But he was a two hour radio show every single day. And as an investment, he bought two radio stations. So it was like, you know, it was a really good starting point into the career, like into the radio business because I could like fall on my face while simultaneously learning the job the right way. You know what I mean? And it, it's you always hear about people in radio and they always talk about like I was inside a closet. I actually was fortunate enough that even though it was a shitty radio station that you could literally sit on the tower and nobody would ever fucking hear the words coming out of our mouth. <laughs> it's it's just one of those things where like it was in a nice studio. It was, you know what I mean? It was all technology wasn't he didn't spend a shitload of money on all the gear and stuff like that, but it was adequate enough to you know in comparison to some of the other radio stations i've seen throughout the years it was it was money (laughs) so it was it was just a great place to learn met a lot of good people a lot of good people that uh 
are now like on 98.5 the sports hub and shit like that like everybody like kind of got their starting point together so not when i say everybody i kind of mean guys who are still like doing like joe i don't know if you know joey murr on 98.5 the sports Hub, mike sarge riley like kind of guys that are around my age group i'm not talking like mike felger or anything Mm -hmm. like that but um just some of these like kind of younger guys in the business that are on weekends and shit like that we were all there at some point and uh and so that's how it started and then it went to um, it went to kind of the bigger, I'm going to, I'm going to say mainstream radio. Like I, uh, I went to WRKO that was for intercom, uh, and produced a morning show there. Um, so Greg it's just, Hill? Uh, I did not produce okay. Greg Hill. Nope. I didn't produce Greg Hill. I produced that. And actually the show I was on, uh, it was in conjunction with the Boston globe and that's oh, where boy. We, we'll, we'll get into that one. Like that's going to be part of the Dershowitz story. Which, <laughs> You know, I'm looking forward to telling that one for the millionth time. But, I know, I'm uh, sorry. <laughs> no, no, it's, it's part of the story. And it's funny to me at this point. But, uh, but yeah, so that was always, uh, it was always the goal was to get into radio. And, you know, I, I ended up kind of liking the small time radio more than I ever would have the big time radio. You know what I mean? And I'm still like that, to be honest with you. Like, I still am very, I'm sorry, I'm being very long winded, but I'm like, I'm very interested in, you know, I feel like the big radio, like they get on an advertiser and they don't give a fuck if that advertiser makes money or not. Like, you know what I mean? Like they, mm. they care that they resign in six months, but they don't really get in the trenches. Like I, I cared and I learned to care about all these small businesses that were spending in hindsight, really short money in comparison, but like their goal, they were spending 500 bucks a month because they wanted to make 600, 700 bucks a month and then grow it and scale it up and all this stuff. And it was very entrepreneurial. And I feel like big radio has just completely lost sight of that shit. It's so, so hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. So, so you're saying if you booked Mercedes, you would give a fuck about Mercedes Benz? Well, wasn't that whole thing about the fact that I, not only do I give yeah, a fuck, yeah. I would put my money where my mouth is and I would <laughs> give it to Mercedes for free in the chance that when they sell mer- or when they sell cars, I would make money on that end. So that is the <laughs> ultimate. That is the ultimate give a fuck. Which I still, by the way, I still contend that that example, that story was not as butchered as people. If you were in the business, I think you kind of understood that. I'm gonna try to big time that situation. Mm-hmm. Kirk, like was so far removed from that thought process and just played it up like only Kirk Minahan can. But I don't think that was as bad as people think it was. I really don't. Well, 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 since we're on the subject of vehicles, I know, you know, a few weeks ago, they were talking about trying to get Jeep as a sponsor. If you were still with Kirk, do you think you would have been able to nail a deal like that? (laughs) No, <laughs> no. <laughs> that was not, is that, that's probably why I'm not affiliated with Kirk Minahan because I couldn't sell right when I tried to uh, help them out in those early yeah. days or whatever. And uh, yeah, I don't, I don't know. I mean, he talks about it, and I heard some of those clips on on social and stuff like that. Like he talked about it, like you just call up Jeep National. You know what I mean? Yeah, like, well, are yeah. we talking about a local Jeep dealership? That might be a different story, right, but right. you know, we could get into the weeds on that. But uh, and also, when's the last time you really heard like a an automotive, uh, you know, like an actual car company, like a Jeep or, uh, you know, Audi or whatever. What's the last podcast you heard one of those ads on? Because yeah. I, I haven't heard too many of the auto sector. Did, did um, and did the Barstool Chicago's guy have that in the podcast or is that for the, their serious show? I don't like, remember. Yeah, I saw those. I saw those links. Right. Right. But that was a local that was a local deal. Yep, it's true. Yeah, we're not talking about uh, Jeep coming in and buying yeah, the Jeep a, Grand Cherokee yeah. Studios. Yeah, yeah that'd be like, uh, you know, and, and I don't even like would that be the Kirk has listeners from all across the country. So like, does he really need to do McGovern Jeep in, you know, Alston Mass or whatever it is? You know what I mean? Like, it's kind of weird. So. So speaking of Kirk and 
this podcast is about our love for Kirk. How how did you meet Kirk? How did you get involved with the podcast? Um, I'm Kirk. So I I think it was I'm trying to think of the uh, like how it all played out. I don't know if it was a reference from he he always says it's Carlson Mosdes who was head of digital for Intercom. I don't know if he was Intercom Boston or if he got a uh, promotion on national or whatever. But Carlson um, was kind of Kirk's like right hand man in building the radio.com venture. Um, and I had I had left Intercom at that point. Uh, I think I'd been gone for like a year and a half. And Carlson reached out to me to apply, I believe, for that job. I, I, I believe that's how it played out because I actually, Joey Zarbana recruited me to produce for OMF and I turned it down. Um, and that was a few, I, I can't remember, that might have been like six months to a year before that. So I forget how it all put out, but let's just say for argument's sake, because I think Kirk said it, that Carlson um, it recommended me and I went and interviewed and, uh, you know, and, and how the story plays out. Like, and I later found out I was third choice. So that's all that matters, right? Like, I was third <laughs> but but uh, then, you know, the well, we'll get into it. But then the, the 48 hour situation. Yeah. Happened. Yeah. Do you want to go into that? So Blind Mike's Daddy, like I, I know you told the story a hundred times. I know that you could give us the quick version. Blind Mike's Daddy doesn't know what we're talking about because he's a mincel. So he, he we like we have a little running Google Doc that we always write on. I My question is, do you regret the Alan Dershowitz mishap? Blind Mike's daddy says, I can't ask this. I don't know the I don't know what you're talking about. So that well, he's my best friend now. Um, <laughs> no, I don't uh, I don't if the question is do you regret it, the answer is no, because I in that moment I wouldn't do anything differently. I've learned just from kind of like the natural, you know, progression of learning from your mistakes, right? Mm. Like whether it be email, communication, all the communication angles, but I know that my intent was not for what happened to happen the way it did. So I don't regret a single solitary fucking thing about it, to be honest with you. But if you want to kind of backtrack so we can uh, give you the whole kind of give you the whole rundown. So I get that job and I haven't even started as an employee or again, like rejoining Intercom, but I haven't even started as an employee. I bet my start date was like probably two weeks from the day, two weeks after from the day I was hired was from the day they you know offered me the job. I just started right away. It was back then. It was enough about me for Kirk. I just started thinking like, who are guests that I can book, right? Like who are guests that Kirk was just doing one-off guests with authors and shit like that for, for enough about me before the actual uh, daily show was set to start. And we know how they kind of dick that around a little yeah. bit. Um, so I was just trying to think of names outside the box. The one thing I did know was that the names that they were tossing around were like they weren't Kirk Minahan, right? Like they were they were guests that were like so fucking predictable. Like Casey Smith was on there. And that's not it's not a disrespect to her. It's just like mm-hmm. I knew Kirk. Kirk knew everything about Casey Smith. There was nothing there was nothing there for enough about me for Casey Smith. And there she was a dime a dozen. It was like Ryan Rosillo was names intercom people put put up there. And I knew that wasn't what he wanted. So I was just already starting that process of who can reach out. And I think, you know, if you talk about things you regret, it's that probably did teach me to be a little bit more <laughs> diligent is I'm kind of a volume guy. It, like even with podcasts, like I, I try to create as much social media content, like create 10 videos per, per show. And I think of it as a volume, but you know, uh, uh, you know, quantity over quality sometimes. And that was a moment like that. Like that was a quantity. I was just ripping through trying to reach out to guests to book for Kirk. And I knew he wanted to talk to Alan Dershowitz to bring this to the actual point that you want to get to. I knew he wanted to talk to him, but I really didn't know the background. At that time, I was out of radio. I wasn't like in tune with the Jeffrey Epstein like situation at that point. And maybe that's like 
far-fetched for people to believe, but I just wasn't (laughs) like, I didn't, I didn't know the whole background. And I just knew that he wanted to talk to him just based off of like quick little seeing things on social media, following him and, you know, or what his fans were saying at that time on social media. So I just fucking reached out and I legit, you know, just the, the content of the email and we'll get into like where that goes completely awry. But like the content of the email was, I literally Googled Alan Dershowitz and looked to see what the most recent thing that he talked about in public was. You know what I mean? Like, I okay, I know Kirk wants to talk to him. What is it? But I didn't actually ask Kirk, like, what is the content that you want to discuss with him? This is, like I said, this is a week before I actually was set to work with the guy. And so I didn't reach out to him in advance, like for any type of, um, you know, uh, I, I didn't reach out to him until he was already basically booked on the show and i just wanted to get kirk's approval that he should be a guest you know what i mean Mm -hmm. so i said do you want to talk about um the Mueller report and i i think i told kirk it was the Mueller report at that time (laughs) and uh and so i said the Mueller report to, to dershowitz and that's what he went in thinking now in full transparency i always know that an interview could go off into different angles if i tell somebody we're going to talk about you know, Sesame Street, I, for, you know, I know that there's a chance we're also going to touch on, you know, I don't fucking know, you know, you know, uh, whatever it takes you. Yeah. I'm I'm not lying. I just mean like natural conversation can progress to different areas. So I just grabbed like, all right, it looks like Dershowitz is out there talking about the Mueller report nonstop. Hey, Alan, could you come on and talk to, talk to host Kirk Minahan about the Mueller report? Bang. You know what I mean? And it was so quick and it was so, um, I don't know, like in my brain, it was harmless and see what happens after that, I guess. But where it goes like completely fucked up and awry is just kind of part of my um, natural habit at that time. And I have this is where you talk about adapting. <laughs> and this is where you talk about efficiency and changing your ways is I went to my most recent email chain with Alan Dershowitz, by the way. And I know it's been said differently on the Kirk Minahan show on my personal Gmail that you just emailed me on. Just so just so we're clear. Like, it was Dave Cullinane's e-personal email account that we emailed this from. But I had booked Alan on other shows uh, that I produced, one of which was like I told you, I don't know if that was on the show or before, but I worked for Entercom producing a Boston.com, you know, affiliated with mm-hmm. the Boston Globe related project. And so the tight the, the subject line of the email was boston.com and it was probably like re right like reply re uh, colon boston.com morning show interview request but then the actual content of the email was can you speak with kirk minahan on xyz you know what i mean that was my habit is like if i've already been in communication with somebody if i would email my mom i would look up my most recent email with her just click reply to that and it just keep going on the existing chain that was a bad, obviously in this situation, that was a bad look because I never thought to delete the fucking Boston.com, obviously. So now I just start everything, compose new. I'm a compose new guy now. <laughs> uh, and uh, and so that was that was what probably really fucked it up too because Dershowitz at that time was a um, opinion, uh, opinion writer for the Globe on a freelance basis. So he probably thinks not only am I talking to... Um, not only am I going to say yes to this interview, but it's also like a colleague of mine. You know yeah, what I mean? Yeah. Like it, was, it was just totally fucking fucked from all different angles from a, um, you know, from an execution standpoint on my on my behalf. When all I really had to do was, you know, Alan Dershowitz is booked. Hey, Kirk, what do you want to talk about? 
with him and then he could have bounced back. He could have Kirk said, Oh, I want to talk about the Jeffrey Epstein thing. And I would have maybe reached back out to Jeffrey and said, Hey, is this okay? But uh, to, to uh, not uh, to Alan Dershowitz, but it just didn't play out that way. And it all fucked up. They go and do the interview. Alan does the whole fucking thing. Like it's completely fine. Um, and then he just erupts at the end, <laughs> like just, just erupts. I, I actually had that like actual audio of him to saying to Kirk, like, what the fuck? Yeah, but what I, the fuck I, is that? Yeah. yeah, I deleted it because I was like, you know what? what I'm never going to like have how yeah. were, were you surprised that Kirk fired you for that? Because like so just as as like a fellow Minifan, um, I like you had we've heard him blow up at Curtis and Ken at this point and he's making fun of uh, like, you know, he's taking runs at Ben Kitchen. Whoever's helping him for enough about me. He's he'll, he's he's Kirk Minahan. He'll do whatever he wants. But, like, at the same time, he, like, you know that he's, like, a nice guy and he doesn't want to fire anybody. I honestly was like, oh, he's going to suspend this, like, noob for, like, a couple weeks. He's be like, don't do that again because I got fucked, you know? I, I was a little bit surprised that he fired you. I think I think when you look back on it, maybe you can kind of come to that conclusion. One, you know, especially finding out that I was option three, it's kind of like, well, who gives a fuck, right? Like, just go to the next guy at that point. It's not, you know, he doesn't know me at that at that point in any capacity. So that's one um, I was a little shocked, like in the moment, just thinking like, I, I kept saying to them, like, I'm a big intent guy. I said that back then. I say that now, like, if you want to know what my true intent is, my true intent was not to manipulate this human being. That's all. That's all. Mm-hmm. Now, what do you think it's a fight? I literally said that to the, I think he was like the head of digital for radio.com in New York at that time. I was like, I don't give a shit. I literally said, I do not care what you decide. I want you personally to know that I did not manipulate mean to manipulate this guy you know i i do not think for one second i can't get the better of rich kelleher on at 606 in the morning playing fucking music to think that i can get the better of alan dershowitz the most litigious man in america i've never like it's it's just ridiculous so i just i guess that was my like kind of shocking situation if i tell somebody that i didn't mean to do something and then they're still like no it doesn't even matter whatever but the reality is if alan dershowitz is like i'm gonna sue your ass because that fucker lied to me just get rid of me it's not that big of a deal so i guess maybe in the moment i had these ideas um but i was i i actually really wasn't mad at kirk in any capacity i was mad at myself for like blowing that opportunity because that was the type of show i knew where he wanted to go with that show it, whether it was intercom whether it was bars whatever i knew i felt like i knew where he wanted to go with it and i was really disappointed that you know my actions took me away from that opportunity because at that point especially in my career like one i was a nobody i'm still a nobody but i mean i was working on financial radio a conservative slash newsy thing that was just it didn't really it never got any buzz and i'm not saying i wanted to like be famous off this shit i just knew that like i like fucking dick jokes versus talking mm-hmm. about you know what i mean like that's my personality i want to shit talk i want to make fun of somebody i want somebody to make fun of me that was the that was the type of content that i wanted to be a part of and i so for fucking it up yeah so is this is like you had talked about it before we got to dershowitz question is is that why you didn't take on the show like omf because you like kirk or um no the omf thing was not at all it was like one it would never have been the right fit two like they just dicked me around like so like financially it was just such a fucking joke what was what what i'm sorry to interrupt but what time period was that because was that when kirk was still around or was that after or i can't remember when the omf i have a horrible memory so uh okay. but i can't remember when the omf i mean he was i obviously got the kirk offer after that so either kirk was kirk was still on in the morning or kirk was on a hiatus or they were keeping him off air. I, I can't remember. Um, 
I just forget. Yeah, I just forget the timeline. But they were dicking me around like financially. It was just a shitbox thing. Who offered you that position? Was Zarbano. that somebody from the Zarbano. show? Okay. Zarbano reached out to me, and you know, and I don't know Zarbano personally, but he always just struck me as the type of guy that like. It was funny. Like I used to reach out to Zarbano when I left radio, and like kind of wanted to pitch ideas. I always thought it was fucking madness that you, we'd watch like companies like Barstool be creating this different type of content with such little resources at that time, by the way, like we're talking two or three years ago, even two or three years ago for Barstool was dramatic. Right. But like we're watching Barstool do innovative things with, with literally nothing at their disposal. And here is this fucking monstrous company in intercom. They have everything at their disposal and they don't have one podcast that somebody could name besides right. enough me. They don't have one podcast. They don't have one digital show. Uh, like they could, have let, they could have had spit and chiclets. Is that was that right? Um, yeah. I, well, according to Kirk, they could have. I, I mean, I know Ra was a blogger there and stuff like that, mm-hmm. but but they had all these resources at their disposal. They did nothing with it. And I I, I remember like reaching out on multiple occasions to uh, Garbano with ideas, right? And I never fucking heard back. Never heard back once. And it was it was funny to me because I always I just remember people like that. I'll never not respond to somebody no matter who the fuck you are. Like you respond your email that you got it. He never responded. Like I'm gonna call it three months later. I'm randomly like searching shit on the internet. And I think I was on like Craigslist or something. I was on <laughs> and uh, and and it was a guy. Yeah. It was yeah you know it was a guy who was hiring people to stand outside. The WEEI studios and say like fire Kirk Minahan or something like that. It was, Craig, it was a Craigslist post to say like fire Kirk Minahan and Jerry Cowan on Kirk and Cowan, whatever it was. I took a screenshot of it, posted it on Twitter, and the guys talked about it that day. I don't know the guys at that time. I don't know anybody at EEI really, except for some of the producers and stuff like that. Joe Zarbano replied to one of my old emails that day or the next day. I can't remember which one it was. So it was basically like, okay. Now, guys who are number one in Boston who are like my bread and fucking butter mention your name. So I feel like I have to. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, <laughs> like, yeah. It was just like and, and by the way, it was a throwaway fucking thing to put on Twitter. But it was just like, all right, I kind of know what guy what guy we're working with here at that point. And, um, you know, and I don't know if that's a sound. I don't know if that reflects on me poorly or him. I don't fucking know. But at the end of the day, that that just didn't work out mostly financial and the only reason i wanted to agree with it because of this like cocky idea to fight against felder you know so, i just i hate michael felder and i <laughs> so so you, you you brought up joe zarbano a couple of times uh we see we see the state of wei kirk talks about it uh boston radio watch tweets out the ratings uh you know kirk talks about he's surprised he still has a job there are, are you surprised that he still has a job there uh, not really. I mean, I, I just think that that role over time in radio has just turned into like a babysitter type role. You know, I mean, even not, you know, my, the station, I like RKO was a joke. I mean, it's actually done better than the ratings lately, but it was a joke at the time. It was an afterthought compared to the monster ratings WEI was doing. But they had hired when I was there, like a, pro, a program director from us who came from Springfield playing top 40 music for arguably one of the most conservative talk radio stations in the country. Like it made absolutely no fucking sense, at least to me at the time. So I feel like the industry, especially them, they were just like transitioning to the program director uh, of the past isn't really it anymore. Now it's just like a, it, it's like a glorified executive producer just to oversee, you know, that people aren't saying fuck on the air and shit like that. You know what I mean? Like, it's just not yeah. the same anymore. It's not the days of like Jason Wolf winning Marconi awards in my, in my opinion. And like, and I'm not the smartest guy in the world on it. I like to study it and see the shit that's going on with it. But 
that's the way it feels like to me. So I'm not shocked by any means that he's still there. I'm shocked that nobody has any fucking type of drive. I'm shocked that nobody has any type of uh, passion for the industry to try new thing. It's the same exact thing that I was talking about before. Like they weren't doing anything then. They're not doing anything now. Uh, I used to joke and I know that was another thing. An episode where I wanted Kirk to put on Thrill Ride. Thrill Ride, I know it's a joke and it's funny and make fun of me for it. He didn't know who he was. Thrill Ride had millions of fucking views on YouTube. He had millions. And WEEI wouldn't like just pick up the fucking phone and be like, let me toss you on the weekends at fucking 11 o'clock at night just to see what fucking happens. Because you have millions of views on YouTube. YouTube's where the world's going. People are forgetting about me. Why wouldn't I try something like that? Like, it makes no sense to me. Right. And so, and I know and I'm coming off probably cocky and arrogant when I say that stuff, but that's insane to me. And they're still like that. So I, I'm not shocked by anything. I, I it's just, I don't, it's, there's no passion. Yeah. I, I think that's just who WEEI is now. Like Kirk says it all the time. Um, they don't give a fuck about the ratings. They just give a fuck about cashing their like 12th place checks and just keep, keep <laughs> the sponsors rolling in and, and none of it fucking matters. But let's, let's move on to like, so obviously you've worked with Jerry for maybe like 18 months now, let's say maybe a little bit longer. You worked with Kirk maybe 18 days. So that this, this, this might be like, sorry, this might be like, t- like uh, tough to answer, but how is working for Jerry different than working for Kirk? How is it similar? Um, can you go into that a little bit? Uh, I mean, you're, no, I can't go into that. I mean, <laughs> I mean, in the sense that like, I don't know what it really is to work with Kirk, I guess. I don't know. I mean, I got way more of an experience working with Kirk, obviously, for the three weeks that I was in there filling in for uh, Steve in the early days of the show. Uh, and it was certainly interesting in terms of uh, how he, like his his work ethic, how he communicates kind of like before and after the show and stuff like that. But, uh, you know, they're just either way, like one, they're two good guys. Jerry is not as um, up and down, let's say, as Kirk. <laughs> you know what I mean? And Kirk was never really, when I was in there for the three weeks, he wasn't up and down. We had a great time. Anything he mm-hmm. needed, uh, I hope he, he knew I would get for him or, or do. I know he gave Mike and I shit one day for for not having ideas on a <laughs> on a conference call or something like that. Um, but, uh, but it's, it's tough to like, I can't analyze the two. Jerry is Jerry's Jerry. Like Jerry reads fucking everything like Kirk. Um, you know, he, he, it's still one of those things with Jerry where it's like, it's not a full-time job. You know what I mean? So mm-hmm. I think Jerry and I, like Kirk was, Kirk asked me last time I was on the show, like how much do you talk to him off the air? And we text throughout the day often and stuff like that. There's not like a, a problem with that stuff, but it's also just kind of like assumed that, we kind of like have our shit together, I guess. I don't know. Like he he's read all the stuff. He knows I'm going to have the pertinent sound that he would need. And if he didn't, uh, if he had a different idea, he would text me. If I had a different idea, I'd text him. So it's it's tough to like gauge gauge the two. The only difference really is obviously the, the type of show, right? And that just comes down to probably mm-hmm. resources and bodies and stuff like that at the end of the day. So Kirk said within the last year that like some some kind of like fucked up shit. He's, he's even like he said, um, like like he told Jerry he wants like him to fail, and as part of that, he wants you like to fail. Um, how how does like that <laughs> make you? I, I text the other day in my dramatic. I think I was like taking a shit and I was bored, <laughs> and I, I you know me like I have to reach a quota on Twitter to like just fucking get to bed at night, and I just tweeted out that like link to to Barstool and I said like, oh, I've, I've been in the room with these two alone. That, I was just referencing that that text message where Kirk just out of the blue was like, fuck both of you. Basically, I'm going to ruin both of your lives. That was wow. I literally turned my life, my wife laughing. Like it was, it was fantastic. I mean, I, 
feel bad. I hope he was like in a good mental state or whatever. But like, it was just funny in the moment. Being like, this is a Saturday night at nine o'clock. Like, what the fuck is happening? Yeah, that, but, that's what I was going to ask you because because he has since said like he apologized. You've been on his show since. Um, like, so did you always just saw it as Kirk and Jerry's beef, and like you were just catching some shrapnel, and you never really took it too personally when yeah. when he said yeah. that. Yeah, I don't. What? I don't. Uh, my own. My whole opinion on those two. Um, I, like, I don't. I view them deeper. I don't. I don't know how to word this, and I don't want to sound like corny, but like yeah. I would never try to get involved in their shit because I felt like their shit was bigger than. It, it ain't fucking Kirk and Leung. It ain't. Um, it's not. Um, I don't know. Whatever. Like, it's not a traditional like rivalry or enemy that these guys go after. This is these two guys to me were basically brothers. Mm-hmm. And, you know, if if me and my brother are fighting and my brother is, you know, let's just say for argument's sake, like we're both relevant human beings out there in public, like I wouldn't want somebody random like myself getting involved in that in any capacity. Like I we can figure that out on our own. You know what I mean? And, yeah. and I know he has a different Kirk has a different style um uh, bringing that shit up and stuff like that, but like I don't know. I would never think that that's my place. And we've talked about like Kirk on Jerry's show. Um, and I never viewed it the way I never like viewed it the same way that Kirk viewed it, that we talked about it. So I, I, I don't know. It's just to me, like they both, they both care about each other, obviously at the end of the day. And so I certainly want to, wouldn't ever deem to interject myself in that, in any capacity, to, either side, either way. To, to me, like I, um, when it comes to Kirk and Jerry, like I just it's like this again, they'll probably fucking rip me for this. But like they're just it's just like two alphas who think differently and they're, they're neither one of them is gonna back down. They're both like used to being dominant. They're both they're like, no, like like you're like, you know, Jerry will call Kirk a fucking like baby, and then Kirk will say, Well, you don't have my fucking back. That's why I'm fucking pissed off. Like, you know, to me, like you said, it's just they're just like two brothers fighting. That's that's what it always sounds like to me. So I actually just just had like a follow-up. He's Kirk says in the back of his head he has something that can escalate any argument and like ruin anybody. What is Kirk Minahan gonna say to Dave Colony to end your relationship? To end my relationship with Jerry? Or to with end Kirk, my with Kirk. Oh. Uh I don't I don't know. I don't think anything. <laughs> I mean, I don't care. At the end of the day, like we don't, we we're acquaintances. You know yeah, what I mean? Sure, yeah, like, sure. I don't even, what can I? I have my thing about Kirk is like, and and people say this all like I admire his skill set. I admire his passion. I admire like I have buddies that like, and I know I'm a character, or I became a character on his show that he created, that I bought into, that I fuck around with, that mm-hmm. I get laughs out of. Like my buddies hear that shit and heard it on the show. And then heard the fall and laughed along as long as like I was a part of it or whatever. They laughed along. And then they heard the stuff after the fact that was like Kirk ripping me to shreds. And they're like, fuck that guy. Like never talk to that guy again. I'm like, he's an entertainer. Two, he doesn't actually care about me one way or the fucking other. (laughs) And, And three, like that is the type of personality, the type of content that I personally want to consume. And I admire that about him so like i would never say no matter what i would really never say go fuck yourself or goodbye i'm not gonna listen to you ever again like i don't i mean i don't consume the show directly as much as i as i used to but it's also because like the consumption habits have almost changed too like my entire social media um presence is dominated by Kirk Minahan, Kirk Minahan fans, Kirk Minahan, that I don't feel like I need to like open up an Apple podcast app to get what his show is because I fucking get it every third tweet. 
You know what I mean? Like it's, it's, it's it, that's the way I feel. So like when it, I don't know, there were certain things that kind of, um, well, I'm not going to say triggered me. I mean, certainly there were things that triggered me. I'm a fucking lunatic, but it, there were certain things that it like turned me off. Like one day he texted me on like a Saturday morning about discord, like get the fuck out of there. Go do a, go, go start your own Jerry Callahan discord. And I was like, what the fuck is happening? Like I, I, I went in there like a fan, like anybody else. And just because people asked me questions because I was in a studio with him at one time and they wanted to ask questions, I didn't go in there seeking it. You know what I mean? I went in there mm-hmm. talking about the same shit everybody else was. And then he, he just, you know, I think it was just like a, a thing for him, but it just like pissed me off. So I just like stopped listening and then it became a habit and whatever. I don't know. But that's just, that shit just happens. I don't know. I, so, feel, I still feel like I'm like up to date with stuff. So, at, like at the time you spent on the show af- after your tenure was done, did you feel like you were going to get a permanent gig? What were you, what were your thoughts after you were done with those three no, weeks? No, I mean, I never felt like it. And I, I feel like, I mean, it's, we always, that's kind of the terminology, right? It's a comedy podcast. Like I feel like after it, I never felt like I would get a job, but I wanted to help and be a part of it because I was still a fa- I'm still a fan. Like I don't, I don't know. I feel like that never, that never. Re- I, I kind of felt like that never hit Kirk. You know what I'm saying? Like it's. I was still. I was in Discord. I was reading Reddit stuff. I was reading tweets. It's all I would consume. That like on a fan basis, whether I was in the studio with him or not, because I can push fucking buttons. You know what I mean? Like I was mm-hmm. still a fan, so I just wanted to help. So that's why, you know, I would have rathered. Uh, and I know it came off pathetic, but like I enjoyed working with Kirk Minahan's content on Instagram than I ever would have been posting like a fucking picture of my kid or something on my personal account. You know what I mean? Like it's mm. it's more fun. It's like, uh, I don't know if you, I think anybody, I, I, I don't know, maybe it's childish of me, I guess. I don't know if you're a fan of Howard Stern, I would think if Howard Stern gave you an opportunity to play around with his content and interact with it and engage with it fucking for money or not in that moment have fun with i don't know that's the way i viewed it and it obviously went in like a lot of different directions and there was a lot of different um you know triggering things to it and the sales side of it when the sales thing came up is just kind of like i knew my mentality on that the whole time uh and so i never i don't know i never really took any of it that overly serious and i never it it never was a job to me or anything i always had other i always had a different job you know stuff going on you 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 just mentioned sales um kirk had mentioned on his podcast uh that he had offered you a a a sales position within the show is that true and if so why didn't you take it it's it's true that he offered me something (laughs) it's he, he i mean i guess he offered me a sales position via text message right uh during one of him and Jerry's spats that right, I felt right. was that I felt at that time was just purely like, I'm doing this to, I, I, I'm not like, I'm doing this to like fuck around. I, I don't know. I didn't feel like it was serious. And and to be honest, I probably, even if he was dead serious, I probably, I wouldn't have taken anything because I, I never wanted to do sales and people are going to look at me and be like, you lazy. Fuck. <laughs> I hope people don't think I'm like a lazy fuck, but like I, I cares, felt so I like, no, 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 I know, but like I didn't. I don't want to be the guy cold calling twenty times the local car dealership. That's yeah, not what I course. viewed. That's not what I viewed podcast sales is. I was trying to make connections to like national agencies that had a system in place. So I never meant that this stuff is easy. I get it, but it's just like 
that was the type of sales that I would do. And that never to me warranted a full-time job. You know what I mean? Like that was, it was easy when I was doing sales, I was reaching out to those people and it was sending fucking seven, 10 emails a day casually and seeing what happens. It it wasn't a full-time job. So even if you offered me something, I probably, you know, it would have had to be something, a unique situation, but either way, I'd I'd always like want to be content first. And then sales to me is, um, inner, it would have had to been the right way, but also like intertwined because I kind of view everything as the entrepreneurial experience, right? Like I, I like engaging in content. I like creating content, but then I want to monetize that content to keep that content growing and going and full speed and all that stuff. So I get that it's all intertwined, you know what I mean? Like it's, so it's all, all part of it. So that's why one of those episodes, I, I like everything. I can't, ver- that's why this episode will be a clusterfuck. I can't verbalize <laughs> I can't verbalize anything, but my whole thing was like, I don't want to just do sales. I want to be a part of the team. And like, I I can't make sense of it, but it's like, to me, if you're in on something, you're in on it from all angles. You're not in on it just to fucking grab audio clips. You're in on it to build a fan base, to create content, to, you know, grab cuts, give ideas, make sales. Like everything is in one with me. Like there's no separation. I'm, I'm trying to think about it all. And, and so I, I clearly couldn't verbalize that to him, but, uh, but I didn't like back to your earlier question. I didn't expect anything of it. If it came and it was natural and it worked out like great, you know what I mean? But it wasn't, it wasn't uh, the end of the world. Either way. Have you been to any of Kirk's live shows? Uh, I don't, I went to the, like the vigil. I was mm. still in the mix with the social media shit at the vigil. Um, but I don't think, but I actually wasn't there. Didn't he do a show that day too? Yeah. 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 Yeah, I wasn't. I didn't stay for the show. I left that's something that you like. That's not something that Jerry would be like. No, you can't do that. Like, cause you work for me. Like, he he'd let you do that if you wanted. Like, if you wanted to go to Saco, Jerry wouldn't like fucking have a bird. No, I think that's been a, that's been a thing, right? Where they think like Gary has ever said. Jerry has never once said, "Don't call in." Don't. He's never. We've never talked about it. That's mm-hmm. it's not. It literally has never come up. And I and I wouldn't. I'd fight back to Jerry on that. Like, what do I give a shit? Like, what is it? I don't yeah, give sure. a shit if you don't want me to call and occur. I who care? Like, if it if it's not interfering with what I do for you or interfering with other things, like, what's the big deal? I don't I don't get that. I'm excited. Well, so you know, Kirk, I I, I have prominence on on Twitter because I have made some silly phone calls and I've done well with it. Uh, do you do you like calls into the Kirk Minahan show? And is that something that you could see? the Jerry Callahan podcast eventually doing is, is taking some phone calls. Um, yeah. I mean, I, the, the shows that I've listened to with Kirk's that are calls. I mean, I, I get, I mean, it's hit or miss, right? Like it's kind of, yeah, it's kind of all over the place, but that's the same thing with any, any like radio station and calls and stuff like that. So I don't, I don't really overthink the stuff on Kirk's show. Cause at the end of the day, I mean, it's his show. If he wants to utilize that and he wants, he's enjoying it, like more power to you. I kind of respect the decision-making process there on Jerry's show. It's just kind of, um, I'm going to call it infrastructure, like, especially with the remote system, it's more infrastructure based, which I don't think people, I mean, I can pull it off. I I mean, I don't know if you guys consume the thing in the morning or not, but the thing in the morning is people call in via Google voice and it ring, like you hear the ring on, (laughs) right? Like, and there's no, it's just me controlling the entire thing. So there's really no other way around that systematically, like in the moment. So that's fine. Like I get that with Jerry show taking calls that would hypothetically need to be screened 
to some capacity, there's like no way, at least right now, it, there's not a lot of easy execution for that doing it remotely, right? How do you- because, yeah, like even yesterday, uh, we had a guest on the phone and I can't like mute, I can't mute the guys talking. I had to talk to the guest over the guys talking live on, I, I can't, I, I don't want to get like, I know DEC talking tech stuff, right? Like I can't, I don't want to go into the weeds there, but it's just like, it isn't efficient remotely uh, like it is on radio and like kind of the setup that Kirk has, or at least I'm not stupid. I over, I overly think about technological stuff. I just haven't figured it out the right way within like my current workflow. If that makes sense. You know what I mean? Yeah. How did you guys end up on like, on like that TV show, like late night, like is it, uh, for the wind? Is that the channel? I, I honestly don't know. Yeah. Yeah. Um, well, first of all, I know the, um, the, the guy who runs that station specifically is oh, excuse uh, me. One of, is one of my best friends, my best friend's cousin. And so I grew up with him, but, oh, nice. um, and he has some history in Boston radio and stuff like that. I, I can't remember if he reached out to Jerry like first randomly, or he, re- he tried to hire me for something else. And then he reconnected, he reconnected on something random. And I was like, Oh, well, I'm producing Jerry Cowan's podcast. So I don't know if I can. And then like a week later, he reached out saying, hey, can we carry the show and the deal? I, I actually wasn't a part of the actual deal points with Jerry. Jerry worked that out on his own after that. So I can't, I, I, I can't remember if it naturally started like with me just organically talking to this guy or if the guy reached out to Jerry because he knew. But because he's kind of tapped into the local media scene. So but he just he, they pick it up and whatever their deal is with Jerry, it is what it is. And it's, it, you know, when it's on TV, and it's marketing. Who cares? Speaking of. Speaking of television, is your wife on Channel Ten in Providence? There's there's a there's a Cullinane on the on Channel Ten. I never watched the news, but the other day I turned it on. And I'm like, that's not Cullinane's wife, right? And then I like I went to your fucking Twitter. I was like, nah, it's not the same girl. It's like I don't no. fucking know. Not, I have seen her. She like randomly liked something. I forget what it, I I forget what it was. She randomly liked something of mine and then followed me. And I was like, oh, I've never the na- the name is like popping up randomly in the last like three years. I used to get it all the time because there was this super rich dude uh two towns over like crazy money guy and everyone used to say to me like are you related to the guy from Dedham?" and i used to be uh not embarrassed or jealous whatever but i used to just yeah. say, that i'm not actually but uh i'm not related to that guy so no i'm not related to her there's no connection whatsoever uh to her but i have seen her around so i wish her where all that yeah. where do you see the jerry pod the jerry callahan podcast in five years the Jerry Pot Callahan podcast in five years. Well, I hope it's uh, the show does really well numbers wise. So it does really well right now. I hope it is at least mm, doubled or tripled at that point. I hope it's double or tripled by the end of this year. Uh, that's why we just joined podcast one was more for marketing help, though. That is a little bit different of a situation just because um, like nobody goes to podcast one, like they go to Barstool Sports, right? Like they didn't build a consumer base themselves. So, but it is a, it is a national podcast network that obviously knows the podcasting market and how to market individual shows. So that's certainly an aspect that I think Jerry is interested. I'm interested in, um, but the show is doing really well right now, numbers wise, no matter what certain individuals try to claim. <laughs> um, but, uh, but it's doing really well. And I hope, uh, I hope Jerry, I hope Jerry wants to do it, whether you agree with him or not. I'm always a guy that I, I want, I want people to be able to say what they want. And I want people who disagree with them to be able to disagree with them. I want, uh, I want all that stuff. And I hope maybe, maybe in five years, uh, maybe in a year, maybe two years, whatever. I hope there's more resources because to me, I still look at it 
And I would look at it no matter what, whether it was a salaried position or not, I'd look at it like an entrepreneurial, uh, an entrepreneurial endeavor. But to me, I, I just have a lot of, uh, for whatever reasons it had to happen, you know, whether he left WEI on his own or whether they fired him, doesn't fucking matter to me. He is in an entrepreneurial, uh, he's working in an entrepreneurial fashion and I respect that. And I, you know, I almost respect it even more because for so long he wasn't right. Like imagine, imagine being paid and being top in Boston for as many years as what he was saying dangerous shit, by the way, well, not dangerous, like, you know what I mean? But saying shit that nobody in Boston has the balls to say, he said it on the air for fucking years. Uh, imagine like being at the top of there and then having to basically start from scratch and do it and invest in it and invest your time and be passionate. And I, I respect the hell out of that, you know, I, from all angles. So I hope, uh, I just wish the best for, you know, it, it, I don't mean to, I don't mean to say like, it's not an us situation, but it is Jerry's business. You know what I mean? Like Jerry's show, they come for Jerry. It is. So I want to support him in any way I possibly can, uh, so, to make it successful. So do you think, I mean, do you think we'll ever see, I know we're going to have it for the golden ticket, but do you, do you think we'll ever see a Jerry and Kirk collaboration, whether it's something live or, 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 or a one-off or, or something? Do you, I don't know. I mean, I don't think, uh, I, I think probably just like take your mind out of like the seriousness of it. You know what I mean? Like don't, don't take it as like, it's the biggest deal in the world or it's like this ironclad thing. I, I think they'll come together in different forms again, hopefully. And I just think they, you know, I, that show was so amazing. And I think they led us into this like off air relationship that they had that it's hard to, I would assume it's hard to ever let go of that, no matter how mad you are, no matter if you're, you have the right reasons to be mad at the other person, you still had a bond. You still did something pretty special, uh, that had a huge impact. And I would think you can find your way around the other bullshit. You know what so, I mean? Like, I don't know. That's just me. So Jerry show as it like currently exists, right? It's it's you, Jerry, and, and a rotating third. Is that right? Yep, in a rotating so couch. Who, yeah. who is um like who's your favorite? Who's the best person on the couch? Who works the best with Jerry? Um, I would opinion. say like I would say in terms of like actually like collaboration and work with Jerry, Tom Shattuck does, and Tom Shattuck has a history in in Boston radio and stuff like that. Uh, but they're all very collaborative and interested in, in participating and stuff like that. Alex and him, whether people fucking hate Alex or not, like they clearly have a good relationship with each other to fight like that and then, you know, come back and do it again the next week. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's, it's you know, it's the, everybody works well with each other. Everybody has a good relationship. Everyone wants to be a part of it. Everyone likes being a part of it. Everybody wants to see it grow. Um, I love the idea of getting new people involved, but it's just it's you know, there's not a lot of fucking options. <laughs> and, and there's certainly, you know, I know. The thing show- Kirk's been saying, like, like p- people say they want a rotating third or, or, or another guy in. Kirk's like, show me him. Like, where the fuck is he? Correct. Yeah. And I mean, not only take that example, and you're talking about a comedy podcast, right? That, And I'm not saying you could easily slide people in to a, to a position like that, but it's even harder when you kind of want to get somebody that disagrees with Jerry. That's the preferred method. It's not fucking possible. It's like legit. Mm-hmm. Nobody will come on and fight besides Alex Reamer. And, and that just kind of, so you're going to get what you're going to get. Like you're going to get agreeable kind of radio. Um, 
or, or well, obviously podcasting, but you're going to get that yeah, agreeable radio that you're used to on traditional kind of talk radio. And but I know Jerry, he's it's fine because they're still coming for Jerry Callahan's opinion first and foremost. That's the that's the biggest thing. But I know he would love to have more, uh, you know, dissent and and fights and stuff like that. But it's just you know you try and you put it out there and it is what it is. And luckily, it feels like it hasn't slowed down the growth of the show to not have that type of disagreement. But I hope I hope over time we can grow it to, I, to have a disagreement. But I have two last questions about Kirk, and then then we'll get you out of here on, on something light. Um, the first of which is, do you think it's fair to call Kirk show a comedy podcast still, you know, like he's like now, I guess now since the secret project started, it has been more light, but like, it, it's not always, you know, like a bunch of jokes, you know, um, I, I, I don't actually mean that as like, as like a disagreement to you. I'm just, just, just as a question, like, would you still categorize KMS as a comedy podcast? Um, I don't, I don't, I don't know because I don't consume, True, yeah, it. Sorry, I don't consume it the same way. So I don't, and I don't mean that to be a dick. Like I see it on social media. I know that the laughs that like I was a part of when I was in there and it was like the funniest shit I've ever been a part of. Now, I don't know how he views that. <laughs> and obviously like I was Steve, in, my good man. <laughs> it was, it was, that doesn't like that doesn't happen with anybody else. Right. Like he's the only one who could execute that shit. Actually, that kind of started from Mike, too. But he picked up on it very quickly. But I don't know. I just uh, it's it's tough for me to those were some of like the best laughs I've ever had. So and I don't know how that compares in the grand scheme of other episodes that he's had or other, you know, K and C shit. But so I don't, I don't know. I, I think that's where he shines the most where you're fucking laughing versus, uh, I almost think it's better laughing with him than it is like fucking fight. Like I was, yeah, I was, yeah. that, what's that guy? Um, the OJ Simpson attorney that he fought with was one of those ones. And like, mm-hmm. there's, there's humor in the fight. So I guess I can't completely rule it out, but like, I don't know. I'd so much rather I'm still like, I'm a fucking lunatic. I'm a dweeb. Like I like dick jokes over fucking like anything else in the world. So it's like, you know what I mean? Like I, I I view that, that Kirk that's making me laugh my ass off. I have, uh, I enjoy the shit out of. So I don't know. Yeah. I I know what you mean about that too. Cause like when Kirk is like the, the only episodes where I like, get really not like anxious but the ones where i'm like oh man maybe i will you know hit the 15 is when he's like yelling at somebody and i'm like oh i kind of like i don't know if i if i want to hear this i don't mind like i like that though you know like i still like it so i don't it's not i'm not trying to like demean that in any fashion i just have i also just have like a weird sense of humor i don't know like i i like like awkward like i thought the one of the fun and i know i kiss his ass and i i met him for the first time today but like when ryan whitney was in that day right like mm-hmm. the little shit that's like he's fighting with cons or he's asking cons questions and Ryan would under his breath is like, come on cons. Like, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, yeah. He's like, come on, bro. You got, you got to be better than this. I just, I just fucking said you're all right. You know? Yeah. So. But he, he did it in a way. It was almost like, it wasn't what he said. It was the way he said it. Like I yeah, laughed yep. at more than anything else. So I have this like weird, I don't know, this, this weird thing to it, but I don't know either, either way he's, uh, I respect it. I don't, um, I don't know. I'm, I'm tr- I try not to like judge anything of like what's the right way, wrong way. I'm happy. You know, you guys were asking me this before we started. Like, do you know about the secret pod- project or whatever? Like, that just shows. I, I I respect somebody who who has this reputation and then is able to go in a different direction, and they're just as passionate about that direction as they are the previous one that they were so successful in. Like, they, they, you don't find that often. <laughs> you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And yeah, and so it's something that that should be appreciated either way, but. So my 
My last question about Kirk, I swear to God, this is the last question about Kirk. And and in the in the grand scheme of this interview, this is not going to make sense because I should have asked it maybe like 25 minutes ago, 30 minutes ago. But yeah. how close were you and Jerry to really taping at KMS? Like they, they kind of seem like Kirk and Steve made it seem like like it it was kind of close on the show. Like is that was that played up a little bit? Did you ever really think you guys would be taping with them in Watertown? Um, yes and no. I don't I, I don't. It never was like super close. It was, it always like obviously kind of made sense, right? But it was also Jerry lives in the city. Um, it, it, I don't know. I, I just felt like the communication on that stuff was not as like firm ever as it mm-hmm. needed to be. It was kind of like super casual, right? Like it was super, you know, we knew it was an option, but we never talked about it that serious. But some texts were traded, but they weren't like overly. Hey, give me a yes or no. When you get, what do you want to do? Blah blah. So it just, it felt like it was just kind of like communication style. And then when different options presented itself, like the Legacy Club, Jerry walked to every fucking day. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And Jerry would have, you know, I'm sure Kirk would have given him the space for free or whatever. They would have figured it out. But the Legacy Club was cheap. It was convenient or whatever. Um, and you know what? And I don't, I, I don't know, like how much, how much of it would have how much of it would have mattered i don't i don't know <laughs> you know what i mean i just don't i don't think i'm not gonna say it got played up it just it felt to me like it was just kind of like communication nobody was ever like overly firm about anything i don't know um, so let's close out on a lighter note uh are you keeping up with the current product uh, of wrestling whether it's aew or wwe i saw orange cassidy tweet right uh, I'm not keeping up with it, unfortunately. I'm okay. not. Uh, my wife is, uh, you know, just, I mean, you probably see me fucking tweet about it. I watch reality television show at night with my <laughs> wife and all, this, and all this stuff. I wish I did. Um, it doesn't feel like the AEW thing caught on like I was hoping <gasps> it would. Am I wrong? I know people like it, but it's, it's huge in the metaverse. I think it's phenomenal. Is it phenomenal? Well, good. We're good. I, I don't follow it enough. I'm, I'm so. I don't want to be predictable with the the WWE takes. I feel like every time I've ever talked about it, <laughs> I and everybody else who even watches the product on a like a regular basis, we all say the same thing. Right. It's, right. Lazy. it's lazy. Trash. It's, it's trash. It's embarrassing. It's trash. You want, a, you want a lazy question? Who Who's your favorite WWE superstar of all time? That's a lazy question. Oh, God. that's It's, it's a, a lazy one. one. It's a lazy one, but it's a tough one. It's probably from like a consistency standpoint. It's got to be Stone Cold for me. Same, just same. Like the pop that you would get from Stone Cold. Oh, man. Oh, Breaking the glass. God. I, I still go back. I went to um, kind of like one of my uh, – before I got married, I like did a bunch of things just to like make sure I, t- I, I went to WrestleMania 30 in New Orleans. Outrageous. When I want to tell like that fucking open with Hulk Hogan, The Rock and Stone Cold Steve, like I'm dead serious. If I, I could masturbate to that right now, like, <laughs> it, is, it was the greatest moment. It, it was hands down. It was I watch it back. The only other the only other clip I watch back more than that, and it's super random, and maybe you guys would appreciate this or not. The Hardy Boys coming back. Oh my god! Well, yeah. I knew you were gonna say that. That has I to. I knew be. it. That was. Oh my god! I, I don't know I, because I don't keep up with it. You I don't, don't get know. a pop like that anymore. You don't. Yeah, you don't. But I also it's Edge think, last year. Edge had a decent pop. I was never a big Edge guy, but I don't so. feel like Hardy. I know the Hardy Boys pop. I view it that way. It seems like you view it that way. Yeah. I don't feel like it got the respect it deserves, like in the legacy of oh the business. Or maybe it has, they, they play it back all the time. That they, well, they should. On the network. That was like 
it was huge. Oh, fuck, dude. And you know what, too? I think I the New punched Day, a hole in my ceiling. New Day was... that really, the New Day really helped that. Like, the yeah, New Day really yeah, put that true. over, in a sense. Yeah. Um, yeah. But, uh, but yeah, I don't know. The the I don't keep up with it. I wish I did. I, I take a lot of lessons from it. I learn. I know I'm going off into a little thing. Like, I look at everything yeah. like WWE and Vince McMahon. I look at every fucking thing. Like, Kirk, say what you want. Like, Kirk Minahan put me over as a character. Right. Mm-hmm. Like that's what he did to me. I think Dave Portnoy, his entire business is putting people over and then it's what that person can do with it after the fact. You know what yeah. I mean? Yeah. And, it, and it's great and I, example. Great example. But, but that's now we're going back to the and we don't have to go there the whole time. But like we're going back to the WEI conversation. They never tried to put people over. You know what I mean? Like yeah, they. No they deterred that atmosphere. And if you even look at podcasting right now as a business, like Ben Shapiro, and I'm not trying to just because I produce Jerry Show, I'm not trying to be conservative or whatever. Ben Shapiro is the one of the biggest podcasts in the country. He puts over all these people. Joe Rogan, he doesn't mean to, and I don't think it, uh, I think he means to, but like it doesn't impact his business like it does for Ben Shapiro. But Joe Rogan puts over podcasts. You know, and like that's that's the way of the world. Put people over, give them a shot, and see what they can do with it. Because it and only I'm, helps your industry if you think only, about it in the long run. And I'm, I'm amazed. I'm amazed that they're like industries like radio didn't pick up on that a long, long time ago or whatever. So I, I don't know. It's uh, it, there's a lot of lessons to be learned from WWE and that company and the way they do things. And I'm fascinated by it. They fucking cannibalize their pay-per-view business. That's like fascinating. It's, it's from so many different angles and I'm, I'm happy you're saying that AEW is going the way it is and it's picking up because competition is the way to kick, you know, right. a, it keeps uh, everything alive. Yeah. I would so, have thought it would have done it months ago, but it or years ago, but it hasn't. But I think I think this we we can end on this question. Um, it's one that I think everybody wants to know the answer to. Have you or have you not ordered your Patrice Bergeron jersey with the fucking Captain C on it yet? <laughs> no, I have not. I have Same not. Yet, yet. <laughs> I, I have not. I'm I'm fully uh, I'm fully supportive of it because I was never really full as a fucking mast. Oh well, my they, god! Was, well, that video, <laughs> that video though, like. I think it's getting a little too much credit than it deserves. Like Marshawn really didn't sell that one that well. Obviously Sweeney didn't sell that one that well. <laughs> like I think people just like think the, like little creative social media ideas are just you have to praise them, right? Like it's it wasn't like the greatest execution, but uh but either way, you knew what was coming. Patrice is literally uh the pro- i would say the best two-way hockey player in the history of the fucking game i mean he's so goddamn reliable he, he really could win the selkie every fucking year that he's healthy every every, every he's year good. every year i love it i was actually um you know I, I think that guys like him who are kind of quieter and they let their actions speak and i know zidane char was like he was a action speak louder than words guy and he was a presence in the room but I feel like people like love the shit out of Bergeron. He's gonna set the tone for that for the B. I don't know. We don't gotta get into talk. Oh, oh we can do it a little bit. No, yeah, but I, so, I, so yeah. I I think like as as a huge Bees fan, I and like I have never like really ice skate. I basically can't ice skate. You know what I mean? So like I like never mind like no like the ins and out of a hockey locker room or, or I don't even know if they call it locker room or dressing room. I don't even know. Um, but like. I always thought like Bergeron should have been the captain, and I get and I get that that's not how it works. But like to me, Bergeron was like always like the like he's the best player on the team. He leads by example. Like yeah, Char beats fucking people up when he has to. But like I I thought like that maybe they like 
I thought he should have been a captain years ago, even though like Chara was still like you know what I mean. Like I I know that that that's unfair to Zidane Chara, but like Chara though Chara is like the Bergeron is the Bergeron's the ultimate like. Yeah. I just, I just, just kidding. I just say that because Bergeron's a god in my eyes. That's the only reason I say that. He's like, like literal, like the, like he's so, fu- like he's so good. He's been so good for so long. His mom signed his fucking contract. He got drafted when he was seventeen. He's a fucking god. Well, I don't Sorry, know man. who I, I don't know who I was listening to. Was it was it somebody? It might have been the guys that I was with today. Um, but they were talking about like how I think it was the maybe it was like a lockout or something like that where a lot of the NHL players went and they went to like the KHL, they went overseas to play in all these different places mm-hmm. that had different schedules, like not really demanding hockey schedules, or they went on, you know, they didn't play at all and they took the year off. Patrice specifically went back to the Providence Bruins or wherever in the AHL because he knew he'd get 85 consistent games in. He could keep his exact routine. Like he just, he thought about the game in a different way than mm-hmm. other people. Um, I just think going back to your Char thing, Char is like the ultimate lead by example guy off the ice, right? Yeah, Whereas, in my opinion, Patrice is the ultimate lead by example guy on the ice. And I guess you just kind of like weigh your pros and cons where you, you got to go with that. Mm-hmm. The thing with Char with me was like Chara when Chara makes a mistake, it was disastrous. Oh, every <laughs> was- time he, he only makes mistakes at the worst time. Yeah, you know? like, and maybe maybe it's like overstated because it didn't happen as much as it felt like it happened. But like, it would be like a turnover to a breakaway to an overtime yeah. goal. And it then was- the the other thing too, like, and Bergeron's mistakes were like, like he'd he'd like hook somebody and he'd be like, they're gonna fucking score now because he's not gonna eat up a hundred like twenty seconds of this power play. You know, <laughs> yeah. I mean, one hundred twenty seconds is a whole fucking power play. But I mean, like you know, like, like a minute twenty. You know, yeah, yeah, you know, no, it. And listen, we it, it's they're never as transparent as you want them to be in this situation. Um, but it, 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 I feel like Chara is he was going to leave at the end of the day. And, and I feel like he made the decision based on where he's going to play more, you know, where he's going to get more ice time. So he made the right decision. The Bruins made the right decision, even though it didn't feel as transparent in the moment. It like works itself out. You well, know what I mean? Like it just naturally wasn't the money. I'm so thinking- short. It was short money to just yeah, make eight hundred k. I think it was short money, but if he's only going to play ten minutes in Boston, and the Capitals are saying, "Listen, maybe we can't guarantee you, you know, fifteen, seventeen, twenty minutes, whatever," you're going to get the shot. Bruins were like, "No, we got to, we got to, yeah, get we got to move on." Yeah. In my opinion, that's what they said. We got to, we got to either a move on or b. We got to give our young guys enough time. So you're getting max ten minutes, and he's like. Fuck you! I want to. I want a shot at more time because I think I still have it. So you respect both angles. I mean, at of the end course. of the day, yeah, you know, he wants to play and they want to move on and and let other guys play. So, so anything, uh, anything to plug before we go? Yes. Yeah. Uh, no plugs. No plugs. Um, Aren't you on a podcast? The hockey podcast. Yeah. What do you mean? Plug my podcast? Which part? Jerry's? Whatever one. Oh, I mean, I mean, I don't need to plug. I mean, Jerry's. A, they ain't coming for Dave Conan to listen to Jerry. We, have, we have lots of listeners. We are, I think we're up to uh, twelve. There you go. We said twenty-seven. That's fine. It's uh, no. There's. I mean, Jerry's show is Jerry's show. They come for Jerry. They're gonna find Jerry. The hits is listen. It's it's there. So if you want to take it, if you want to fucking be part of some madness, uh, hopeful madness every morning. Uh, you know, the whole goal was just to, uh, I was already doing a friggin' coffee break and I don't know. I like being a lunatic. It's fun. You ever to play be- Spanish music on the hits? I know, I, I, I haven't <laughs> caught it yet. 
Somebody somebody requested Shakira, like a Spanish version of some Shakira song or something. So not really, but I'm down for whatever. You know, I mean, so listen, if I request it, it'll happen. It'll ha- oh, certainly. I, I don't think I've ever turned down a hit, a hit request. I'll be there Monday morning. There you go. Bye, my Saturday. Say goodbye. Hair in a rye, Cullinane, Cullinane.